Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ghost Tea Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Willow, a clairvoyant since childhood, paranormal investigator, and an occult practitioner. Today, we're going to be talking about spirit teams. This is actually an episode that I recorded before, but this is the updated audio um, with updated information because there were some changes that were made. Um, I got updated information about spirit teams, so I wanted to update the episode. So therefore, this is new audio. So if you're listening to this as a first time uh, listener, I apologize for the other episodes being quiet. Um, This is the new format and you'll get to that as you go through the episodes. But with that said, um, before we jump in, I just want to remind you that everyone has different views on things and that's okay. I don't ask you to believe what I do. I just want to share what I found in my personal path with others. And for those interested in booking a session or a reading with me, check out ariawillow.shop. I restock the shop every Saturday. All right, let's get into the episode. Okay, so first I want to go over what your spirit team is. So commonly people know your spirit team as guides that help guide you through your lifetime here on earth. So before you incarnate, you have your soul family, you have your spirit team um, that forms from people that you've even either known in past lives, maybe you've known um, star beings or humans, or even beings like the Fae who may have had a past life with you and decide to be a guide for you in this lifetime as a humanoid guide. So I want to go through the different types of guides, but before we get into that, um, I want to go over a couple different things. So first we're going to go over the different types of guides as far as timeline goes, because that can kind of get some people confused. I've had a lot of people ask me over the years, well, aren't our guides with us all the time? Like they're with us from the time that we're born until we die. Well, yes, some are. Some aren't though. You have three different types of guides that can come in for you in your spiritual journey. So you have temporary guides, you have short-term guides, long-term guides, okay? Um, I also wanna point out, I just wanna make a note on this because we're on this topic, um, and this is something that I've slowly changed over the years as I've learned and grown in my practice and been educated. Um, I try my best not to use the term spirit guides because spirit guides is a particular term used within indigenous culture. Um, I am not indigenous myself, so I do not use the term spirit guides. I use spirit team. I will use guides. Um, I also do not use the term animal spirit guides or spirit animals because of the indigenous ties to that um, particular Uh, way of saying it. So I say animal guides instead. Um, And I just wanted to mention that because I think it's important for us to all be aware of the wording that we use. And I know that when I first got started, um, you know, I was not educated in these things and I'm glad that I am now, but these are all things that we can just be aware of and, you know, maybe change and adjust within our own wordage around these topics. So with that said, Let's go over the different types of guides. So you have the temporary guide, okay? This is gonna be a guide that comes in for a um, experience in your life or a season, if you will. So for example, let's say that you're moving to a new house or uh, moving to a new city even. And when you decide that you are going to move, 
you have a, a guide come in to help assist you in that, that transition. So maybe you have an animal guide come through, maybe you have a humanoid guide come through, um, and you have them come in to help you through that transition, to help you get through that move and get to that new city or get into that new space and settle in. But then once you're settled in that new space, they leave because they're not really needed anymore. They were just there to help you through that transition. So a lot of times, sometimes we don't even realize that we have a temporary guide because they're so under the radar, kind of in our uh, energies to help us kind of process things and things like that, that sometimes they just go undetected. Um, but every once in a while, we'll realize that they're there and we'll be like, oh my God, then we have this new guide, but then they leave. And then we're just like bummed because maybe we got really attached to them. <laughs> so there are temporary guides like that. The next type is a short-term guide. So a short-term guide is going to be a lot more long-term than a temporary guide. Um, and it's more in line with a long-term guide, but different. And the way that it's different is that a short-term guide comes in during a certain time within your lifetime. Sometimes it's around a significant life event or a significant experience or lesson, um, or sometimes they just randomly decide to come in at a certain time in your life that maybe you're not aware was significant, but they were aware was significant and you, that you needed more assistance through. So let's say again, you're in the scenario of wanting to move. And so a short-term guide would be one that would come in maybe around the time that you decide that you're going to move and then they just stay until the rest of your life. They're, they're just there until you die, right? Um, that would be a short-term guide. So to us, it might not seem short-term. To them, it is short-term, but it's not temporary. <laughs> and then the last type of guide is a long-term guide. So what that means is that it's a guide that is with you from the time that you're born until the time that you die. And these are the ones that we mostly pick up traits from, in my opinion, um, because they are the ones that are around us when we're babies. They're around us when we're developing um, our brains, which means that we as children, when we're more open to spirit and more open to what's happening around us on an energetic level, we're very in tune with our spirit team, which means that you're going to be picking up traits and picking up energies and things like that from your spirit team around that time. Um, whether that is your, you know, humanoid guides or your animal or creature guides or your guardian angel or your infernal guardian. Okay. So, um, for example, your favorite animal growing up is probably an animal guide for you because you probably started liking that animal a lot because you were all around the energy a lot. Um, now there, I'm not going to say that that's a definite because, you know, there's discovery channel and, you know, history channel and shit. And we watch shows and we're like, wow, that's a really cool animal. I love that. But then there's certain things that we do where there's like characteristics that we have. Sometimes people will say that their kid is just acting like super, super advanced um, or talking like an adult. And sometimes we're able to learn those things from our humanoid guides. Um, not all the time, but it can happen every once in a while. And so those are traits that we can pick up from our spirit team. Um, I always say mundane over magic. So it's, it is important to know that some of those signs, you know, being more advanced can indicate things like autism or, um, you know, being on the spectrum somehow. But I want to make sure that 
that is included as a possibility in addition to what we're talking about here. Because I don't want people to be like, oh, well, that must be what it is. And then they don't get their children the care and attention that they need to develop. Um, so I don't want you to be like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're, they're not on the spectrum. Like, it's just their humanoid guides. No, please still get them checked out. Make sure that they're getting the kind of... Um, you know, attention uh, that they they need to develop um, as best as they can and be as healthy as they can. So getting into the different types of guides that you can have. So there's four main types um, of guides that you can have in your spirit team. There's going to be humanoid guides. So this can be like fairies, human from humans from past lifetimes, extraterrestrials, um, things like that. So they look human-ish but not always human. So most of the time, these are beings that we've had uh, relationships or connections with or lifetimes with in the past. So for example, I have a guide named Nikato, and he is an extraterrestrial, um, and we had a lifetime together. So he is very close to me in that sense but he would be considered a humanoid guide for me. Um, I also have another guide named Aya, and she is human. So she has had a past lifetime with me, um, but that doesn't always have to be a past life connection with that guide. I have met people and done spirit team sessions for people where their spirit team member just doesn't have a past life with them and just decided to be... Um, an energy that maybe has never incarnated physically from the spirit team or the soul family and just has decided to be a guide for them in that lifetime. And that is completely possible. Um, and I also want to point out if you have a guide that is just like an energy form in a human shape or a human-ish shape um, or any shape at all, like a, an energy form, that could also be considered what I would consider a humanoid guide. Okay. So Humanoid guides are just really there to help us through certain experiences we have um, in our journey. So it's not anything like really, really heavy. Um, they can help us through everyday experiences as well as major experiences in our lifetime. But they're not going to be like, they're not going to be the main focus all the time. Um, your spirit team tends to cycle around a lot. And you're most of the time not going to have the same guide helping you with everything because different guides help you with different aspects of the same situation. So for example, if you're having that move, then you're moving to the new city. Like you might have your humanoid guide helping you with getting established there, but then you might have your animal creature guide helping you with learning the instincts of the city. And then you have your guardian angel helping to protect you. And then you have your infernal guardian helping you to work through that trauma, right? So there's different aspects of how they can help us in our journeys and our experiences every day. So then let's go into animal or creature guides. So it might seem unusual for me to say animal and creature guides because people are like, well, what does that mean? Like, you know, what, what creature are you talking about? I, I'm going to sound crazy. I just want you to know right off the bat, but you're here and we're just going to go for it. So animals, obviously, like you can have a lion or a dolphin or a giraffe or a flamingo as your animal guide. 
But then you also have creature guides. And creature guides could be something along the line of a dragon or a unicorn or a gargoyle or a phoenix. Um, and these are things that would just not really be considered an animal guide because it's not an animal. It's more of a creature. So um, that's why I make that distinction is because there are animal guides, but then there are also creature guides. But they do pretty much the same thing. And animal guides really help us to uh, navigate and understand our instincts as well as understand why we're having um, the the body reactions that we are to the experiences and lessons in our lives. Um, obviously, they can help us with other things. And I don't want to make it sound like, you know, humanoid guides and your animal guides and your creature guides and your guardian angels and your infernal guardians only help you with one thing. Um, they can switch out roles whenever needed. But there tends to be a pattern that I've seen with what they tend to help you with and what they tend to quote unquote specialize in. So that's the reason why I mentioned these things. Um, I just find that animal and creature guides just tend to be more based in our instincts and helping us to really stay in touch with our bodies and helping us to connect to what is our body saying? How is our body physically um, reacting to this change or this experience or this lesson? Um, how can we have our physical body um, align with our spirit body going through this you know, experience or lesson or change? So that's something that I like to mention because of that fact. Okay, so then we have guardian angels. This is the one that everybody is familiar with. Everybody's like, oh yeah, you have a guardian angel. Of course, a guardian angel would be part of your spirit team. So guardian angels are um, one that I've known about being about part of the spirit team since I learned about spirit teams. And um, they're really known for their protection. They're known to kind of swoop in when we have life endangering situations where we need some assistance. Um, but even so, they're pretty much good at just like comforting us through everyday experiences as well. Um, they're kind of like the comforting mom support, if you will, uh, in our lifetimes. They're just kind of the ones that kind of soften the blow of things maybe, um, or give us the gentle nudge that we need to move forward. It really just depends and it depends on what they know that you need at the time. Um, a lot of people ask me, well, can you have an archangel as your guardian angel? I will say yes, because it is possible. But I also want to make it clear that it is very, very rare. I've done hundreds of spirit team sessions and it is very, very rare. I'm talking about like less than a handful of people have come through with a with an archangel as their guardian angel. Now, it doesn't mean that if you don't have a, an archangel as your guardian angel, that you're less special or that you're less important or they're just like, oh, well, you're on your own. Like, <laughs> it's nothing like that. I think people put this kind of status label on themselves when they have an archangel as their guardian angel. And the truth is, it, it doesn't really matter. And a lesser known angel is just as powerful as an archangel, but we just don't know about them as much. And just because your archangel, or uh, just because your guardian angel might be known as, I don't know, Joe or something, doesn't mean that he's any less powerful than Archangel Michael. 
It's just that Archangel Michael is called on more because he's more well-known. So it's not about power dynamics. Um, however, I also want to mention on this note that you can have an Archangel come in and replace your lesser known guardian angel for a time in your life. I have had that happen before for people where they're going through a really um, significant life change or experience in their life and they have an archangel come in and take over as their guardian angel during that time just to assist and help make that transition a little bit easier. Um, and it doesn't happen for everybody. Sometimes people never know their guardian angel and that is okay. It doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. Um, but I just want to mention that because it's really helpful to know and just know that if you don't have a, an archangel as your guardian angel, it doesn't mean you're less special or less important or that you have no purpose on on earth. Like it's, that is a very egotistical view of it. And I just want to make sure that we're all aware that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, in in the big scheme of things, in the big picture, it doesn't matter. I promise. All right. So getting into the last type of guide that you can have or that you do have, because guardian angels and infernal guardians, which we're going to talk about, are the two that are with you from the time that you're born until the time that you die. Okay. Um, the, really, the humanoid guides and the animal and creature guides are the only ones that transition out, in and out as temporary and short term, okay? Guardian angels and infernal guardians just by default are with you from the time that you're born until the time that you die, okay? Um, I forgot to mention that before we got into guardian angels, but it's fine because we're talking about it now, <laughs> okay? So, guard, uh, infernal guardians. So, a lot of people are like, what is that? I prefer the term infernal guardian, because I think it's more respectful, but some people will call it a guardian demon. Um, and sometimes this will be, uh, someone like sometimes people call them, um, like demon guardians or however you want to say it. Um, I call them infernal guardians. I just feel like it sounds better. It just sounds less, uh, fear mongery and less fear inducing. And I just don't think it's necessary for us to be like, oh my God, I have a demon looking over me. No, you don't have to be worried about it because guess what? They assigned their, themselves to you for a reason. They have always been there. They usually are just very quiet unless you ask them to, you know, show themselves to you because they know that not everybody is comfortable with them, which is very unfortunate because people have such this, this big stigma around infernals. And it just, honestly, it makes me sad. As a demon altar, it makes me sad. <laughs> but, but getting into that. So what does an infernal guardian do? Because we already have the guardian angels. And so like, why would we need more protection? Well, first of all, you do need more protection because everybody needs more protection. Um, if you don't have protection set up your, at your house, you should. And if you don't, then they're going to do their best. But you know, just set up onion, onion, not bubble. Okay. Have layers. That's all I'm saying. As a witch, just have those layers, make people cry as they get through it like an onion. Okay. Anyways, that's a side note. That's a bunny trail. Going back to infernal guardians, infernal guardians are really going to help you focus on the shadow self of you. Okay. They're going to help 
you release trauma. They're going to help you address your toxic traits. They're going to help you to uh, address your toxic habits, your um, patterns that are unbeneficial to your life. Um, They can help protect you, but they're really going to focus and be the ones to really bring up the dirt from the bottom of the pond when you need to release stuff. So a lot of times people don't want to work with their infernal guardians because they don't want that stuff to come up. But guess what? Even if you don't, it's still going to come up. It's still going to come up. I promise you it's not going to be something you can avoid because that stuff is important and it will come up at some point in your life, even if you are trying your hardest to avoid it. And an infernal guardian will usually be the one that's bringing that through and saying, hey, guess what? Um, I know that this makes you uncomfortable, but we got to talk about your habit of watching too much Netflix. You know, it's not going to be that, that easy, but maybe it would be, I have no idea. I'm not going to make judgments on what your shadow is. Okay. Um, but they're going to be the ones that really help you to understand those traits that are kind of keeping you back. Like if you feel like you're being held back in your life, and you feel like you're not making the progress you've wanted to see in your life, you've got to talk to your infernal guardian because they're going to know exactly what's up. They're going to be like, oh yeah, um, you're finally getting in touch with me. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, you're having trouble manifesting this business. Guess why? You got to work on your money trauma. Yeah, that sucks, um, but that's that's what's keeping you back. Oh, you didn't know that? That's because you didn't talk to me first. (laughs) They're going to be the one to help you identify what's holding you back. Um, And it's not to say that none of your other spirit team members would be able to help you do that, but they're going to be the best ones to talk to. Let me just tell you, they know know the deep stuff. They know the, the deep layers of who you are, and they will bring it up to help you work through it. All right, so let's get into a couple questions that I get often when people ask about spirit teams. First one, can your loved ones be part of your spirit team? This is going to be a controversial opinion. Um, I I think I go over this in one of my other episodes. So if this is a repeat for you, I apologize. Um, But I don't personally believe that our loved ones can be part of our spirit team. And I want to explain why before you hate me. The reason why is because our spirit team purposefully is not animals or people that we've known in this lifetime. Reason being is that if they were, you wouldn't want to interact with any other part of your spirit team because you wouldn't be familiar with them. For example, let's say that your grandmother passes away and she would become part of your spirit team. Can you tell me without a doubt that you would not only want to talk to your grandmother on your spirit team because you're familiar with her? And that you would be nervous to talk to anything else because, oh, what if it has bad intention? Would you be biased towards your grandmother rather than being open to working with any part of your spirit team because they are people or entities that you do not know? This is an important question to ask yourself. And this is why I don't personally believe that pets or um, loved ones in this current lifetime can be our spirit team members in this current lifetime. I do believe that if your grandmother, if your loved one, whoever it is, passes over in this lifetime, 
I do believe that they can be a, a, a part of your spirit team in a next lifetime because the next lifetime you is not going to have the bias towards your grandmother from this lifetime that you would in that lifetime. Does that make sense? So that's something to think about. And I'm definitely not going to say that everybody's wrong for wanting that to be the case. And if you do believe that they can be, I am in no authority to say, no, they can't, right? This is a personal opinion of mine just based on what my understanding of things is. And it is absolutely okay if we disagree. Um, And I think it's important for you to have a belief that you feel really good about and that you feel is accurate for you in your spiritual practice, okay? Um, I also went over the fact that, you know, we can have archangels as um, guardian angels or even high-ranking infernal divine like Lucifer, Lilith, things like that um, as your infernal guardian. But it's very, 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 very rare. And most of the time they'll be coming in to replace for a short while your lesser known infernal or lesser known angel um, to help you through certain experiences in your life. But it is possible. But people have asked me, can you have a deity? Like, let's say, Odin or Freya or Persephone or uh, Dionysus, you know? Maybe you have one of them coming through when you're trying to connect to your spirit team. Um, I don't personally believe that you can have a deity on your spirit team. But... I could be wrong because I have never experienced someone having a, a deity on their spirit team, but I'm not saying that it's not possible because I just have never experienced it. Um, so in my opinion, as of right now, uh, February 16th of 2022, <laughs> I don't personally believe that we can. Um, I do believe that if you're reaching out to your spirit team, but a deity is trying to come through to work with you and do deity work with you um, on the certain issue that you're trying to get guidance on from your spirit team, there may be a deity reaching through and saying, hey, I know that you're trying to reach your spirit team, but I can actually help you with that. I can help you with that if you do deity work with me. Um, So that is possible. And that is something to keep in mind as well. Another thing that I want to get in touch with before we get into a couple different ways that you can get in touch with your spirit team is why aren't they getting in touch with me? This is a question that I get all the time because people are like, okay, well, I've been doing all of the steps. I've been meditating. I've been using divination. I've been asking for signs. I've been asking them to come through in dreams. I've been doing everything and they will not come through for me. Reason Uh, There's a couple different reasons why this could happen, but one of the most common reasons is that before you come down, before you incarnate here, you make uh, agreements with your spirit team of when they're going to help you in your lifetime and be really hands-on assisting and when they're going to kind of pull back and let you do things completely on your own. And it's not that they're not there because they're your spirit team. Like, where are they going to go? Where are they going to be? Like, it's their job to be helping you and it's their purpose to be helping you. So they're not going to be anywhere else. Um, to them, it feels like a couple moments, but to us, it can feel like a couple years. Okay. Or it can be a couple years. It could be a decade. Right. Um, But the reason why they do this is because there are certain experiences or certain times in our lives that before we incarnated, we were like, yeah, so I'm going to go through, you know, breaking up with this person, but then I'm going to move like five years later. And during that time, 
I really need to go through this myself in order to advance my spirit and understand myself on a spiritual level. So I can't really have a lot of input during those five years because it's going to mess up that system. It's going to like make things complicated. So they will be hands off. They will absolutely be hands off. Um, now that can be a reason, but there's also um, the reasoning that you might be asking for signs and missing them. You might not be able to uh, see them or or perceive them, or maybe you're getting them, but you're doubting them. So that's another reason. Maybe they are reaching out. Maybe they are coming through in dreams. Maybe they are coming through in divination, but you're doubting it so much that you're like, oh, well, they're not coming through. And they're like, I literally just came through for you. I literally just gave you the sign that you were asking for. So there has to be a a level of trust that you have that they are able to come through for you and that they are able to do that, okay? Um, Okay, so getting into a couple different ways that you can connect with them. The first type of connection that I recommend to people is meditation and dreaming. And I know that you're going to roll your eyes because this is commonly assumed and commonly uh, recommended, but there is a reason. Meditation helps us to connect to spirit realms in a very visceral way that sometimes we're not able to through our clear abilities or through divination or asking for signs. Um, And the same with dreaming. Dreaming helps us to really connect in a spiritual way from our unconscious um, self. And that can be a really, really beautiful experience. So that's why I recommend it. Meditation, even in different forms, can be so important in our spiritual practice, um, whatever form you use. And why I say different forms is because there are different forms of meditation. Now, I'm not Hindu, so I am not claiming that these are forms of um, uh, classic or traditional meditation. Um, but these are forms of meditation that I have used and that have helped me within my practice. Um, there is active or non-active meditation, um, in my understanding of things. So non-active would be like sitting on the floor, laying in bed, um, having your body not be in an active state to where you're actually like moving or you know running or doing whatever. You're not doing anything with your body, you're allowing it to relax and you're then you're going into a meditative state, okay? That would be non-active meditation. Then you have forms of active meditation where you're getting your body moving, okay? So this is gonna be like meditating while you're driving. Um, I don't recommend it. I'm not saying you should meditate while you're driving, please don't. Um, if you can avoid it at all costs, not safe, let's not meditate and then get into a car accident. Okay. If you're driving, do not do it right now. Okay. Just wait until you are somewhere else and in a safe place to do it. Okay. Are we established? Good. Okay. So, but active meditation, you could be running at the, the gym, listening to meditation music in your earbuds and meditating. Okay. Your body is doing something so your mind can relax enough to meditate. Some people meditate while they're going grocery shopping. I know that I meditate when I'm going grocery shopping. Well, before the pandemic. I can't say that now because I have social anxiety. (laughs) But before the pandemic, I could go to the grocery store and meditate while I was walking through the aisles, picking up soup. Okay, it was great. Um, Because your body is doing something, which means that your conscious mind is able to be distracted enough to where your unconscious mind can really connect to your spirit body. 
honestly, I, I don't ask me how it really works. It just works sometimes and it works for some and not for others. Um, a lot of people say, well, I can't meditate. Have you daydreamed? If you say that you cannot date, that you cannot meditate, have you daydreamed before? Because if you have, then you have meditated. Because meditation is not an absence of thought. It is awareness and being present with your thoughts. Okay? That is it. Okay? Full stop. If you have daydreamed before, you have meditated. Okay? Um, daydream can be a form of non-active or active meditation. Um, because you're very aware of what you're thinking of when you are daydreaming. That is a form of meditation and connection with the spirit realm and connection with your inner self. Okay. Um, so dreaming and meditation, how can you bring in your spirit team during these times? You can, before you go into meditation, before you go to bed, you can say out loud or in your head, you can just say, spirit team, I'm calling on you to come through in my meditation or come through in my dreams um, help me to remember the experience, but I really want to meet one of you. If one of you could come through and introduce yourself to me, tell me about yourself, tell me what your purpose of working with me is as a guide and help me to remember this when I wake up or come out of meditation and see what happens. You might not have results right away, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen out. And I would really encourage you to continue trying if you don't have results the first time. Okay. Then we're going to go into the two other types, which is divination and asking for signs. So divination is um, something that not everybody's going to feel comfortable with, but you can use tarot cards, you can use oracle cards, you can use runes, you can use coins, um, you can use dice, you can use, um, some people use spirit boards, some people utilize scrying, um, whether through water, oil, um, stone, or mirrors. Um, it really depends on what you feel most comfortable uh, utilizing in forms of divination. So there's endless possibilities when it comes to divination. I could not list them all here off the top of my head. So I really encourage you that if this feels like something that you would want to try, that you would really explore that and see the different types of divination that there are out there. Um, you know, there's bone throwing and like rune casting and, and card reading and stuff like that. So how would you utilize this to get in touch with your spirit team? Well, first you would want to utilize something that has the purpose of being a spiritual um, conductor between you and your spirit team. So for example, if you're using something mundane like a dice uh, or a die or a, a coin, um, please program it. Just hold it in your hand and say, you, your purpose now is to connect me with my spirit team only. Okay. Anything else is, is not allowed. You are going to connect me to my spirit team and that is your purpose now. Um, I don't care if you look like a crazy person talking to a coin. Okay. This is, this is how it's done. <laughs> no, you can really do this in any way that you want to. You can hold it in your hand and imagine the energy going into it with that intention. You can talk to it. You can do a whole spell, like whatever feels right for you in programming that mundane piece of you know, object, uh, to do the divination for you. Um, cards are going to be a little bit more complex. Um, so you're going to get more of a story, more information through tarot and Oracle and things like that, because there's 
so much deeper meanings to each card, right? But with coins and die, they're really good for yes or no questions. Um, runes are going to be a little bit more uh, in-depth. Bones, like osteomancy, um, might not tell as much of a story. Or if you're unfamiliar with it, it might be difficult. Um, and a lot of people might be wondering why I'm not recommending a pendulum. I used to recommend pendulums to beginners, and I have stopped doing so because pendulums can really, 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 really easily be manipulated if you don't know what you're doing. And um, it's not to say that beginners couldn't use pendulums, and I'm not saying that at all, but I just personally don't like to recommend them for beginners because a lot of times we can get excited thinking that we're getting a lot of answers when actually we're, you know, causing uh, micro movements and kind of giving ourselves our own answers without actually really connecting it to our spirit team. So I just like to give methods like rune casting, um, coin tossing, uh, die rolling, um, utilizing cards and things like that, because it's less easy for us to manipulate them by accident. So that's re the reason why I suggest those over a pendulum or even dowsing rods because I love both of those forms of divination don't get me wrong but they can very easily be influenced which is why I recommend the other ones over those especially for beginners um all right so divination is an option last option that I recommend to people obviously this is not a comprehensive list okay there's so many different ways that you can get in touch with the spirit teams but um asking for signs it's really as simple as that. Ask for a sign and ask for a specific one and ask for it within a certain time frame. Say, can you, like, if, if I have an animal guide that's trying to reach out to me, can you send me an animal that stares at me or interacts with me in some way or acts very unusual around me within the next 24 hours? Can you send me that animal to interact with me in a strange way that's outside of the norm or an animal that I never see in the area within the next 24 hours. Or, or you could be more general. You could say, if my spirit team is trying to reach out to me, can you send me a blue pen? Okay. You could see it in a commercial. You could have someone hand you a blue pen. You could find a blue pen on your way to work on the sidewalk. You could see an advertisement with a blue pen. Um, there's so many different ways that a blue pen could show up, right? Or you can ask if there's a, a, an animal guide that's coming through for me, can you send me clear signals that that animal is coming through for me? in the next 24 hours. Maybe you start seeing foxes everywhere. Maybe you start seeing, like you see a random fox billboard on your way to work, and then you randomly see someone who's wearing a fox jacket, and then you see someone wearing a fox hat, and then you see someone wearing a fox pin, or someone comes up and talks to you and they have a fox tattoo. And all these things, it's like, okay, well, fox is like really coming through, right? Um, but we might be looking for a physical fox. Maybe you're living in the middle of New York City. Like, is a fox really just going to go walking down the road? Probably not. But it can come through in different ways. Maybe someone gives you a postcard that has a fox on it. Um, it can be as simple as that. But being open to seeing signs in different ways is really important. What I don't want you to do, though, is ask for something that you know you're going to see. For example... 
Um, if you go to work every day and there's tons of pigeons outside and you're like, send me a gray pigeon if you're reaching out to me. No, you already know that you're going to see pigeons. <laughs> now, if you ask for a sign and it's generalized and a pigeon starts acting really weird around you, then maybe that's a sign that you have a pigeon, a pigeon guide, right? But don't ask for something ideally that you see every day. If you see a pig billboard every day, maybe don't ask for a pig as a sign, okay? Ask for something else. <laughs> but those are a couple different ways that you can reach out to them and ask for signs and ask for specific things that would be specific to you so that you're not like, oh, was that a sign? I, I don't know if it was a sign. No, ask for specific things. Ask for something more specific so that you know when you see it, you're like, oh, that's a sign. That's a sign. And give it a time frame and ideally a short one. Don't be like, oh, show me this within the week. Mm -mm -mm. Do you remember what happened last Monday? Probably barely, okay? We're getting by day to day. So let's not do like that long of a time frame. 24 hours is, is definitely long enough. Um, you know, do 12 hours. That's a lot more doable <laughs> by the end of the day, by the time I'm, I leave work, whatever. Um, whatever works for you. But regardless of what method you're using to get in touch with your spirit team, be open to continuing that to see if they come through for you. Even if they don't the first time, don't lose hope. It might, like we said, be a time in your lifetime where they're not able to be in touch with you. They're not able to contact you because maybe you have a time where you're doing things on your own. But I really, really encourage you to get in touch with your spirit team because they're the beings that are assigned to you to help you during this lifetime. And that is something significant. That is something that is important for us to be in touch with as much as we can be. Um, and sometimes that is our first experience with getting in touch with spirit. And that can be a really beautiful thing. So I really encourage you to reach out to them. If it's something that you've been thinking about doing or it's something that you feel excited about doing, um, please try something. Try, you know, meditating or, or asking them to come through in your dreams or divination or asking for signs and see what happens. And uh, be open to your spirit team coming through for you and, and see who shows up. But um, hopefully this has been helpful. Hopefully this gives you some ideas on how to connect with them. Um, and yeah, I, I really hope that this is helpful. I, I genuinely just want to give you guys uh, the ability to feel really confident in navigating your spiritual path and your spiritual practice and getting to know your team. And hopefully this gives you some ideas to do so. But with that said, thank you so much for listening and stay safe, stay curious and keep learning. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.